Welcome to Episode 1 in the third edition of the AIC Bible Study video series, Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church and producer-creator of this series. Before we begin, let us pray with this Bible study prayer, which I used at my former parish. O Almighty God, who has taught us that thy word is a lantern unto our feet, and a light unto our path. Grant that we, with all who devoutly read the Holy Scriptures, may realize our fellowship one with another in Thee, and may learn thereby to know Thee more fully, to love Thee more truly, and to follow more faithfully in the steps of Thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with Thee, and Thy all-holy and life-giving Spirit, one God, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. The first version of this series was produced and broadcast live over the internet from my former parish in 2013 AD. The second version was first offered in 2015 AD following my retirement from pulpit ministry. It was the first video series produced by the new Anglican Internet Church. This edition is being offered as part of the AIC's continuing celebration of the start of its second decade on the web. This revised edition features the format of our other Bible study, Christian education, and seasonal video series. It also features new material from the historic images discovered during research for the production of our newest illustrated version of the Four Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles. The series is also cross-referenced to other AIC resources, including the companion book of the same name, Revelation and Idealist Interpretation, and the related book, The Gospel of John, Annotated and Illustrated. These are available through links from our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, and several formats which let you choose your preferred method of learning, whether that is watching our videos, listening to the podcast versions, or reading our bookstore publications, now offering 17 books in three categories. In an earlier version of this program, I called Revelation the most misunderstood book of the Bible. The last book to be added to the canonical New Testament, Revelation has always presented a challenge both to lay people reading it and to clergymen trying to teach from it. In this version, there are three primary objectives. First, to offer insight into Revelation based upon the more spiritually based approach common in the early church instead of the modern revisionist interpretation. Second, using quotations placed in context to explain the Old Testament roots and the New Testament parallels throughout the book. Third, and finally, to examine St. John's extensive knowledge of and use of Hebrew and early Christian understanding of numerology. Revelation should always be used in the singular and never in the plural. Revelation, as the book is known in the Western Church Bible, is also known by other names in other Christian traditions. It is also called the Apocalypse in the Roman Catholic and Greek Orthodox traditions. Both names come from the Greek 
apocalypsis, meaning disclose, which is ultimately based upon the Greek verb apocalyptio, which means to reveal. These are Strong's words number 601 and 602. Another phonetic spelling uses a Y instead of a U, but both are pronounced as a double O. In the modern secular world, apocalypse has taken on a meaning quite different from its scriptural meaning. Revelation offers Christians the only scriptural look at judgment. The illustration is the frontispiece in the Bible of San Paolo Fuore, made at Reims, Germany, between 870 and 875 A.D. for the Christmas night coronation at Rome of Charlemagne as the first Holy Roman Emperor since the 5th century. The original was given to the Benedictine Abbey of St. Paul outside the walls outside the city of Rome in the fourth quarter of the 11th century where it remains today. It was among the first of a long series of illuminated Bibles produced during the reign of Charlemagne and his successors in Western Europe. Revelation is a complex book. As I will demonstrate during the series, St. John, who dictated the text of his gospel and revelation to his scribe Prochorus, makes his story unfold slowly and on many levels. He presents the reader with a continuing cascade of powerful images, some enlightening, some inspiring, some confusing, and indeed some frightening. The illustration is an illumination in temporary and guilt on parchment of John dictating to Prochorus from the Armenian Gospels produced in 1609 AD, this version from the collection of the Bodleian Library at Oxford, England. We begin with a discussion of the authorship of Revelation, followed by a brief account of when it came into the canonical list of New Testament scripture. The author of Revelation identifies himself in chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. Traditional understanding in the church is that this I, John, is one of the two sons of Alphaeus, the other being James, both of whom Jesus called by the name sons of sons of thunder or Voanergis. This is the same John who is author of the gospel and three epistles of St. John. When John wrote of tribulation, he meant the persecution of the church which all the disciples and apostles, especially St. Paul, both expected and experienced. The illustration is a 15th century Italian fresco in the Greek or Byzantine style of John dictating Revelation to Prochorus at Mount Athos, Greece. The book of Revelation was controversial even when it first appeared. There were disputes in the late 1st century and early 2nd century about its authorship. Most believed John the Apostle was the author, 
but many doubters credited the work to others. The most prominent alternative author was said to be the Gnostic leader Serenthus. The Gnostics, which roughly translated means knowing ones, believed in a mystical form of religion whose mysteries could only be explained by themselves. They caused much trouble in the early church and are the subject of several of St. Paul's epistles, especially those in which St. Paul refers to the mystery or mysteries of God and Christ. Many in the early church, especially Irenaeus of Lyon around 170 AD, believed it was the work of the beloved disciple John. The opinion of Irenaeus carried considerable weight in the early church since he was a pupil of St. Polycarp of Smyrna, one of the early martyrs of the church, and who himself knew St. John and many of the other apostles. Another important advocate for John as author was Papia of Hierapolis in Asia Minor, and another who, like Polycarp, had known John. Later advocates of John were the Roman author Tertullian of Carthage in North Africa, who in the late 2nd to early 3rd century was among the first to quote from Revelation. In the Western Church tradition, Revelation was accepted as canonical, meaning acceptance that it was divinely inspired in the Muratorian canon of the early 3rd century, which survives today in the 8th century fragment reproduction. In the early 4th century, the church historian Eusebius included it in his own canonical list. Revelation was the last book to become part of the canonical New Testament and be included in the list made by Athanasius of Alexandria in the third quarter of the 4th century. In this course, we accept John as author and date the book to near the end of his life, somewhere around 96 A.D. We also accept John's statement in Revelation 1, verses 9 and 10, that he wrote the book, quote, on the island called Patmos. Patmos was a small Greek island in the Aegean Sea off the coast of modern Turkey. It was part of the Roman province of Asia, shown in the illustration a detail from an 1888 A.D. map of the eastern Mediterranean Sea from a Bible produced by the American Bible Society. The place where John was said to have been divinely inspired to write Revelation is called the Cave of the Apocalypse, which is near the capital city of Korah, and which was recognized by UNESCO as a World Heritage Site in 1999. The cave remains a popular site for tourists and religious pilgrims. Nearby is the fortified Greek Orthodox Monastery of St. John the Theologian, built by John Christodoulos between 1088 and 1091 A.D., with financial assistance from the Byzantine Emperor Alexios I Komnenos, and is located on the high hill above the cave site. It is little recognized today that John had been imprisoned on Patmos during the reign of the Emperor Domitian, who ruled at Rome from 81 AD until 96 AD. John's crime in the eyes of the empire under Domitian, who had declared himself a god, 
was that he served as bishop of Ephesus, then a small city in Asia Minor. Other sites in the same region are associated with St. John. Christian tradition says that it was to Ephesus that St. John, following Jesus' command from the cross in John 19, verses 25 to 27, took the Blessed Virgin Mary there for protection and there built her a house. The remains of the house of Mary are much visited by modern pilgrims, including two 20th century and one 21st century Pope Benedict XVI. The language in which St. John's Revelation was written is called Koine Greek, often called New Testament Greek. The Koine dialect was widely spoken throughout the Holy Land in the first century. Some scholars believe that more Jews spoke Aramaic or Koine Greek than spoke Hebrew at that time. A common literary criticism of Revelation is that John's writing style does not display the kind of mastery of Koine Greek that is used by St. Luke in his own gospel and in Acts of the Apostles. We can say, however, that while Greek was not his native language, John knew enough Koine Greek to convey his meaning. On the slide is a copy of Papyrus 47, a 3rd century manuscript that includes parts of chapters 9, 11, and 17 and is now in the Chester Beatty Library in Dublin, Ireland. Our discussion of the text of Revelation will begin in Episodes 2 and 3. For the balance of Episode 1, I want to set the stage by discussing the three most common schools of interpretation of Revelation, they being the contemporary, the futurist, and the idealist. Those who advocate the contemporary approach believe that John intended his book to be read by those who lived in the Holy Land in his lifetime, that is, in the late first century, which was an era when the church was under attack not only from outside by Rome, but from within by Gnosticism and other heresies. The Futurist Those who advocate the Futurist interpretation believe that Revelation is an account of events which are to happen at a specific time in the future. They are generally called Millennialists, or Chelios from the Greek word for thousand. In episode two, I will speak about St. John's use of thousand and thousands. Most Protestant denominations interpret Revelation according to the futurist view. Among the 21st century advocates of the futurist school are those who believe in the very modern concept of rapture. The idealists. Idealists believe that Revelation is not about any specific identifiable time period, whether of the first century or some thousand-year period in the present day. For idealists, Revelation is about the ongoing relationship between God and his kingdom, including conflict on earth and among the heavenly powers, including the struggle between humanity and Satan. 
Idealists believe that Revelation is not just about end times, the study of which is called eschatology, but is a complex story of God's love for mankind and his plan for sinful mankind's salvation and redemption. They believe that St. John's account speaks with equal validity to all Christians for all the time to come until the second coming, or day of the Lord, as it is called in both the Old and New Testaments, whenever that may be. Idealists often call the period between John's era and the present day the Church Age. Another way to express the idealist view was expressed by Luke Timothy Johnson, a former Roman Catholic clergyman, now a professor of theology at Emory University in the writings of the New Testament, in which he said, quote, the Christ of the church is present to believers in their present. The book is available in a third edition from Fortress Press via Amazon. The ISBN number for the book is shown on the slide. In this video series, I discuss Revelation from the perspective of the idealist interpretation. I demonstrate that the book is based upon the first-hand experiences of St. John in his lifetime and, I hope, demonstrate to you that he was not, as many modern critics of Revelation claim, a deranged old man, but was a man well-versed in the Hebrew traditions based on the Old Testament. Further, I will demonstrate the depth of his knowledge of the writing prophets of the Old Testament, especially those in the apocalyptic tradition, in particular the work of Daniel, Ezekiel, Joel, Amos, and others whose work inspired John's imagery in Revelation. Further, I will demonstrate how Revelation reflects the teachings in the Synoptic Gospels of Saints Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and also the imagery found in the epistles, especially those written by St. Paul. Finally, I place the text in the context of the writings of the early fathers of the Church of both the Eastern and Western Church traditions. Further, I explain the importance of Hebrew numerology as it is used in Revelation, in which certain numbers were considered powerful, even magical symbols of things past and future. It is my hope that armed with this knowledge, you can avoid getting lost or bogged down in the many obscure interpretations, often taken out of context, that are common to other schools of study of Revelation. I also hope to steer you away from the literalist study method practiced by many modern Christians because I believe you cannot master Revelation without first seeing it as a spiritual and not a literal guide to understanding the doctrines of the Church concerning judgment and the early Church understanding of Jesus as both loving and forgiving, but also judgmental. The illustration, John Dictating Revelation, is an illumination in tempera and gold on parchment attributed to the Coquino Baphos Master. The illuminations were added to a 10th century gospel in the 12th century 
from the Bernie Gospels collection at the British Library, London, England. I applied perspective correction to the original image. Next time in episode two, I will start with a discussion of the literary characteristics or styles found throughout Revelation and also offer a primer on the major numerological symbols and terms as they were understood by the Hebrew people and by early Christians as well. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this episode include from our Bible study video series, New Testament Gospels, in the introduction to the Gospel of John, the identity of John as the author of his gospel, his themes and intended audience and acceptance into the list of canonical scripture. All of that is the subject of episode one in that series. In the AIC Christian Education video series, The Lives of the Saints, first series, the 1928 Book of Common Prayer Saints, St. John is the focus of episode four and St. Paul of episode five. In the AIC seasonal video series, The Twelve Days of Christmas, with one episode each for all the days from Christmas Day to Epiphany Eve, January 5th, the key word for December 27th, or third day of Christmas, is love. Episodes in these series are linked from either the Bible study slash New Testament or digital library pages with podcast versions linked from the podcast archive page at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. Finally, from the AIC bookstore publication, the companion book to this series, Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation, presented in 214 pages with 52 illustrations, 51 of them from the 11th century manuscript, The Bamberg Apocalypse. You'll find my primer on numerology in Revelation on pages 7 to 11. In the Gospel of John, annotated and illustrated, presented in 198 pages with 86 illustrations from a 5th century mosaic to a second quarter 20th century stained glass window. Among the 11 images of John is John dictating Revelation to Prochorus, found on page 7. In the Acts of the Apostles, annotated and illustrated, presented in 224 pages with 77 illustrations plus the cover image, John's joint leadership with Peter in the early church after the resurrection is discussed in chapters 1, 3, 4, and 8. Among the illustrations is a late 16th century bas-relief plaque of Peter and John healing the lame man at the beautiful gate on page 29. Finally, the key to accessing everything produced by the Anglican Internet Church is available at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. We've made it easier for you to learn about Christian history, doctrine, worship, and study using your own preferred way of learning. You can watch our Bible study, Christian education, and seasonal video series using the links on either the digital library or the Bible study pages. If you prefer listening, you can listen to the podcast versions of any of our video series using the links on the podcast archive page 
or to our podcast homilies for all the Sundays in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer by using the links on the podcast homilies page. Finally, if you prefer written works, you can access any of the 17 AIC bookstore publications, all but one available in both paperback and Kindle editions, using the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the homepage, or if you'd like to go directly to my Amazon Author Central page, for which the address is https colon right slash right slash www.amazon.com right slash author right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. Everything after dot com must be in lowercase letters. I also invite you to subscribe to my blog page at www Anglican Internet Church accessible through Father Ron's blog tab at the top and the bottom of any page on the site. Also, by clicking the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend, you'll be invited to register your email address and receive notice of all new postings from our site host. Please be assured that we do not share subscriber information with any other organization, and you can remove your address at any time. Until next time, may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.